The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. From Hollywood, the Hollywood Radio Theater. Ann Baxter in The Affairs of Susan. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, this is Ken Carpenter. Tonight's star, Ann Baxter, besides being one of our loveliest girls, is one of the most versatile actresses in Hollywood. She's played every type of role, from her dramatic Academy Award-winning role to that of a giddy flapper. And tonight we will show off her romantic comedy talents in Paramount Pictures' delightful Affairs of Susan. And now, The Affairs of Susan, starring Ann Baxter as Susan. Come in, come in, gentlemen. Mr. Burton and Mr. Ward and Mr. Anthony. Well, so you all were able to make it. Look here, Aitken, what's this all about? I told you what it was all about. At the party this afternoon, the three of us told Aitken to call on us if we could be of any help to him. And you can be of help, definitely. Oh, I'm very happy Mr. Burton was able to get hold of you. What kind of help? Well, it's really very simple. Susan is about to become my wife, but I haven't, um, uh, known Susan very long. I haven't had time to, um... To study her. But this afternoon, well, I'm afraid each one of you suggested an entirely different picture of my fiancée. Well, well, also, I, I invited you here so you can tell me all you know about Susan. Now, oh. just a minute, Aitken. If you think I'm going to sit here and blab my head off about Susan, you're nuts. Bill's right. I'm getting out of here, too. Please, I love Susan. And I thought you'd all want to see her happy, too. Why, certainly. And the more he knows about Susan, the better chance he has. Oh, so you're going to pour your little heart out. I have to. Mike has evidently given him the impression that Susan's nothing but a party girl. And you? Yes? You must have convinced him she's an intellectual, a brain trust. I'll tell him about the real Susan. Aitken, I might as well begin with the Susan I first knew. 
The truthful, the earthy, sincere Susan. The... Look, you fellas, if you're going to go, go. Come on, Mike. Wait a minute. Maybe I better listen to this. Matter of fact, I don't trust Roger either. Well, Aitken, when I first met uh, your future bride, she was very young. See, I was fed up with Broadway. Everywhere I turned, there were a million would-be actresses. Uh, I'm a producer, you see. Oh, yes, yes, yes. So I ran up to the Rhode Island coast. I took a little cabin in the most desolate spot I could find, but it wasn't desolate enough. An actress by the name of Mona Kent followed me there. <laughs> Shut up. I outwitted her. I ran away. That is, I rode away, clear across the bay, until I found an island. It had only one house on it. And I made a deal with the old man there to put me up for a while. But that evening I found out I wasn't as smart as I figured. I the air with the greatest of ease, a daring young man on the fire. All right, track. come out of there. Movements are graceful. I'm talking to you. Me. What are you doing here? I live here. Oh, really? My name's Susan. You're wasting your time. I came up here to read a play called Joan of Arc that I probably won't produce anyhow. Do you understand? I'm afraid I don't. Well, then why were you singing? Why does anybody sing? Because I'm happy, I guess. Happy? Where'd you rent that costume? These are my work pants. Well, you're not going to go to work on me, see? You know who I am, don't you? The new boarder. Uncle Jemmy told me. No, you also know my name, don't you? No. Roger Burton. What are you mad about? Furthermore, you know I'm a well-known producer, don't you? What do you produce? Are you trying to rib me? I produce plays. Oh, plays. You sure you didn't know who I am? No. You never saw my name in the papers? I never read the newspapers. Why not? Well, because they're full of murders and robberies and people who say awful things about one another. I like happy things. Ah, <laughs> and you didn't know who I was. You see, I, I, I am kind of important. That is, I I think I just might have a few clippings with me, uh, reviews of my last plays. Uh, here. I'll read them after supper. Uncle Jemmy's coming. He might think you were crazy or something. Oh. All right, let's change the subject. After supper, I thought I might uh, climb those cliffs down on the shore. Oh, I wouldn't do that if I were you. Why not? Well, don't you think you're too old to be climbing cliffs? Well, Aitken, that's how I met Susan Darrell. One night, about a week later, I was in the front room reading that script of Joan of Arc. Uncle Jemmy had gone to bed, so had Susan. At least I thought she had. I couldn't sleep. Uh, I, I was wondering if you'd do me a favor, Roger. No, yeah, what kind of favor? Here, fix my clock. <clears throat> Aren't you a little chilly? Oh, no. No, I'm fine. Yeah. What's the matter with the clock? Well, it doesn't seem to know what time it is, see? Hmm. Yeah, pardon me. Yes? You're standing too close. You're in my light. Oh, well, I'll get around the other side of your chair. Oh, but... No, never mind. Look, I can't fix clocks. I'm, I'm sorry. and You'd better go back to bed. Oh, it's ticking now, see? But the hands won't move. No, they... no don't sit there. Oh, I didn't know you didn't like people to sit on the arm of your chair. Well, I don't. Uncle Jemmy loves to have me sit on his arm, the arm of his chair. Uncle Jemmy is a very old man. I'm just old. <laughs> and besides, he's your uncle. Oh, what do you mean by that? What do I mean? Nothing, nothing. 
Well, if it's the clock that's making you so cross, just forget it. No, the clock isn't making me cross. I'd be cross without the clock. Why don't you go to bed? Well, why should people go to bed when they go? No. Where are you going? Out to get some air. Roger! Roger! Wait for me! Roger, please wait for me. What do you want now? Nothing. I will... I just thought I'd maybe help you get whatever's bothering you off your mind. Yeah. Button your coat. Yes, sir. Doesn't it occur to you that I might be running away from you? I thought you liked me. I do. Well, then why do you run away from me? I don't understand. No, I don't think you'd do it that. Explain, please. Oh, uh, look, you said you were going to help me get what was bothering me off my mind, didn't you? All right, then don't talk. Just walk. But don't say anything. Oh, no. No, talking doesn't do any good either. Not talking. Well, it's it's a pretty night, isn't it? Well, I never thought about the night as being pretty. Pretty isn't a big enough word for the night. It's beautiful and mysterious and magnificent. Yeah, I see what you mean. A million voices calling out through a veil of tears. Oh, what's that? Oh, just a line that Joan of Arc was supposed to have said. You know about Joan of Arc. Uh Uh-huh. She listened to the voices of the stars and the trees and the night, and they called her a witch. That's right. But it's true. Trees do murmur, and the ocean roars when the tide comes in and, and whispers when it goes out. And they're saying things, if only we'd listen. And you understand them? Of course. They're telling us to be kind and to be truthful and to be happy. Come on. Why? Where are we going? Never mind. Just come on. What have I done now? Roger, wait for me. What have I done now? My goodness, Mr. Burton, Susan, something wrong? No, nothing's wrong, Uncle Jimmy. Doors slamming all over the place. Oh, Susan, here, read this. Now, right here, where it says Joan of Arc. Yeah. The play script. Uh, Read it. And so you condemn to death the girl... No, 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 Hmm? no. Wait a minute. Look. You are Joan of Arc. Hmm? You're being Hmm. burned at the stake. Land sakes. What for? What for? For? (laughs) Because she's a great savior, a brilliant woman, because she's she's a saint. For goodness sake. Go ahead, Susan. All right. And so you condemn to death the maid whose only fault was being true. The voices that I hear in the winds and in the trees and from the blue, blue sky are louder and clearer than all the rattlings of your chains and the crackling of your fires. You think you kill me? You give me life. Yeah, keep a-talking for a woman to say when she's (laughs) a-burning. Susan, you've got it. Got what? You've got the voice, the quality, everything. I'm going to make an actress out of you. Uh, an actress? But I don't want to be an actress. Oh, don't argue with me. Then don't shout at me. I don't want to be one. Listen, you little idiot. I'm going to make you famous. A star on Broadway. I don't want to be a star on Broadway. But you, honey, uh, it pays better in housekeeping. I don't want to be an actress. I don't want to be an actress. All right, now try it once again. 
And the voices that I hear in the wind and the trees and the blue, blue sky are louder and clearer to me than all the rattlings of your chains and the crackling of your fires. You think you kill me. You give me life. Perfect. Roger, I don't want to be an actress. Oh, you're going to start that all over again. What do you want? Stuck in the, you want to be stuck in this mud flat the rest of your life? It's not a mud flat. It's a beautiful island, and I love it. Instead of being a silly little country girl on your beautiful island, you're going to be a celebrated woman. Dozens of men will fight over you. Women oh, will be... Oh, I don't want that. Oh, don't be ridiculous. Every woman likes to have men running after her. I've had that. What? I'm going back to my room and lock myself in. Susan. Susan, I want to speak to you. Susan, please open the door. What do you want? I'm sorry I yelled at you. We've been rehearsing so much, I suppose I'm, I'm a little on edge. I'm sorry, too. <laughs> you were so excited, you forgot to tell the truth. I did? Yeah. You said you had lots of men run after you. Well, that's true. <laughs> What's true? Well, last year the Coast Guard anchored off here all day. They were all over the island. <laughs> oh, you're a charming child, Sue. I am not a child. You've never been in love, have you? No. I don't suppose you've ever had anybody in love with you either, have you? Yes. You have? The mailman. That old geezer. He's old enough to be your grandfather. Oh, no, that's the new mailman. There was an old one, you know. The new mailman is old, but the old mailman was young. I see. And he was in love with you. He said so. Mm -hmm. He was trying to kiss me all the time. Well, did you let him? Of course not. Why? Oh, it was kind of silly, and he said I'd love it if I did, but I didn't. What's the matter? <laughs> Susan, look, in a few days, we'll be going to New York. I think I'd better tell you something right now. I'm in love with you, Susan. Of course. I love you, too. Didn't you know that? Uh, no, no, I, I, I don't think you quite understand. Look, I said I was in love with you. Is there any difference? Quite a difference. I, I love football and, and tenderloin steak. I'm not in love with them. You see. I'm in love with you. Well, that's what I meant, too. No. How do you know? I'm going to be an actress, aren't I? And I didn't want to be. And I've learned all those speeches, and I've let you shout at me and bully at me, and I did what you wanted me to, didn't I? Isn't that being in love? <laughs> yes, I guess it is. Will you marry me, Susan? I certainly will. Oh. <laughs> well, now tell me, do you think it would be silly if I kissed you? I'd have to try it first. Oh, that's nice. That's, that's very nice. In fact, now I'm sorry about the mailman. <laughs> Make a friend, and you make an ally. There's a thought for you to keep in mind, as many another American has. Louis Cass knew how important friendship is. In 1836, he resigned as Secretary of War to accept the post of Ambassador to France. It wasn't too long after his arrival there that he became friends with King Louis-Philippe. But making friends with the French people was another story. 
Anti-American propaganda had been too well planted over the years. But one day, Cass witnessed a street fight. With the appearance of armed troops, the fighters fled, leaving a group of bystanders about to be fired on. Stepping out in front of them, Cass told the commanding officer that he, as well as the Frenchmen with him, were innocent spectators, and that to fire on them would be murder. The officer apologized and ordered his men to put up their guns. The incident marked the beginning of Louis Cass's friendship with the French people. Gradually, despite the attempted smears by other nations, Cass strengthened the understanding between his country and France, and he was eventually responsible for the signing of a treaty by America, France, and England, a treaty which guaranteed freedom of the seas to all nations. Once more, an American had proved to the world that by helping others, you help your country. Now, Act Two of The Affairs of Susan, starring Ann Baxter as Susan. Uh, let's see, where was I? She kissed you. Susan kissed you. Yes, Richard. Oh. <laughs> then she married me and came to Broadway. All right, are you finished? Wait a minute, Anthony. I'm the one who comes in no, next. No, relax, both of you. I haven't told Aiken the good part yet. You, 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 you haven't? No. Oh. See, the night Joan of Arc opened, who should barge into Susan's dressing room but Mona Kent? You remember Mona, the blonde gazelle who had chased me all the way to Rhode Island? Mona was very sweet to Susan, even brought her a pint of brandy. Mona always said there's nothing like brandy to settle the nerves. And by curtain time, Susan, who had never tasted anything stronger than clam juice, was pie-eyed. <laughs> well, we managed to hold the audience, and thanks to a doctor and a quart of black coffee, she finally got on stage. And, and Susan was the greatest Joan of Arc the stage has ever seen. Yes, Aitken, yes, that's what all the critics said. I lost my shirt. That season, everybody wanted to see musicals. Still, I'd have gotten most of my dough back if Susan hadn't run into a couple of reporters. But I only told them what you told me, Roger. I distinctly remember you saying that we hadn't taken in enough money to pay the ushers. You didn't tell that to the reporters. You, you couldn't have. Well, there's a fine play, but nobody wants to see it. No. Was that wrong? Wrong. You've only wrecked every chance I ever had of getting any new money to keep the play going. Now, darling, won't you please stop being so outspoken? You've got to adapt yourself. I'm, I'm sorry, Roger. I'll try to remember. Well, a month later, I found a gentleman with a lot of money and an interest in the theater. His name was Donald H. Cusp, and he promised to back my new show. So I threw a dinner party. Life, however, is full of little surprises. Guess who Mr. Cusp brought to our dinner party? You're right, Miss Mona Kent. Well, Mr. Cusp, I didn't even know you knew Mona. Why, Mona and I are old friends. And just think, Roger, Donald and I are engaged. Engaged? What, to be married? But of course. Oh, um, where is Susan? Oh, she's, uh, she's around somewhere. Shall we go inside? Uh, just a second, Roger. Love both? Yes, sweetie pie. <laughs> Let's ask Roger right away. Roger, we've been hoping that possibly you could find a small part for me in the new play. Oh, why, sure, Mona. <laughs> of course, I think I'm a little old for the lead. Oh, nonsense. 
No, of course you're not too old. Well, then that settles it. She plays the lead. Uh, right, Mr. Burton? Why, certainly, sir. I had you in mind all the time, Mona. Oh, uh, look, Mona, you introduce Mr. Cusp to all the people. I'll go get you a drink. Mona, what are you doing here? You'll find out, darling. Roger's just given me the lead in his new show. You're crazy. Susan, I've been looking all over. Oh, oh, this is Mr. Cusp, dear. How do you do, Mr. Cusp? You remember my speaking about Mr. Cusp, don't you, dear? Well, Mr. Cusp is also a friend of Miss Kent's. In fact, Miss Kent is engaged to Mr. Cusp, which I think calls for congratulations. Of course, you've met Miss Kent. Yes. And I'd rather not have met Miss Kent again. <laughs> Don't mind my wife, Mr. Cusp. She's just a ribber at heart. You're only being polite to her, only because she's in our house. Isn't that true, Roger? Susan. Well, I haven't learned that lesson yet. So will you please get out, Miss Kent? No, Susan. Well, I'm afraid I don't understand all this Broadway humor at all. You know, you look like a very nice little man, Mr. Cusp. If I were you, I wouldn't have anything to do with Miss Kent. She's not very nice. As a matter of fact, she's a stinker. This is an outrage. Let's get out of here. Well, okay. But let me tell you something, sweetheart. I'm not even listening. That precious husband of yours would get down on his knees to have me do this show. But he won't have to. Because there isn't going to be any show. Come on, love boat. I just couldn't help it, Roger. I was only telling the truth. The truth? Who told you to tell the truth all the time? It isn't civilized. Look what you did tonight. You made me lose a man with $50,000. Everybody in New York will be laughing at me. I guess you're telling me that I'm pretty stupid, I guess. That's what you're saying, isn't it, Roger? Well, if you want it that way, yes. Well, I guess we both made a mistake. Maybe we did. I know I did. I loved you because you were decent and honest, but I also thought you were human. I'm human, Roger. No, you're too perfect to be human. You're like a goddess. Well, you can love a goddess. Maybe you can even live with one. On Olympus, not on 74th Street. Poor Susan. Poor, poor Susan. What do you mean, poor Susan? Well, as uh, Susan's fiance... You keep I, out I, of I, this. I, I, uh... You make the whole thing look as if it was all my fault, even the divorce. Well, it was your fault. After knowing you, that poor little kid was afraid to tell the truth. Mike, you're a cluck. You're a pigeon. You haven't changed since the night you wandered into the Mayfair bar, fresh from Montana. (laughs) A bankroll big as a cabbage and an accent like the Lone Ranger. The minute I saw you, I knew I'd found my new backer. Oh, now, I'd scarcely call that ethical, Mr. Burton. Go on, will you? Mike loved it. When I invited him to come to my office the next day to help me cast a line of chorus, girls, he almost swooned. <laughs> All right, just stand right here, girls. Yes? Uh, the girls are here, Mr. Burton. All right, send them in. All right, this way, girls. Come on, come on, let's go. Step lively. All right, line up, girls. Now, let's see what your legs look like. Come on, a little higher, a little Pardon higher. Pardon me a second, on, Mr. Ward. Oh, shucks. Take your time. This is swell. It's just like a flower show. Yeah. Okay, what's your name? Alice Andrews. Right. Okay, you? Uh, Zelda Hughes. Mm-hmm. Okay. Honey, don't wiggle so much. No, sorry. Sorry. Okay. Your name? Hello. 
Susan. Hey, Tommy. Yeah? How did she get the in here? The rest of the girls are all right. Get them out of here. That's hey. all, girls. Thank you very much. Okay, kids. Come on. Out you go. Let's go. Outside. Susan, when did you get back from Reno? Come on to the other office. I want to talk to you. Oh, but first I want to meet Mr. Ward. What do you think you're doing? Adapting myself. What? Well, if he won't introduce us, Mr. Ward, uh, I Mr. guess Mr. Ward, I'll... this is Miss Susan Darrell, a very splendid uh, actress. How do you do? I'm very... Now, if you don't mind, Susan... Don't interrupt me, to... sweetie pie. I think it's awfully important for the producer and the leading lady to be good friends, don't you, Mr. Ward? Well, yeah, I guess so. Susan, look... <laughs> I don't know what you're up to, but there's no part in the show for you. And furthermore, Mr. Ward is just contemplating taking an interest. He hasn't taken it yet. Oh, don't be silly, Roger. If I do the play, you'd want to be in on it, wouldn't you, Mr. Ward? Well, I... Shucks. You mean... You mean you'd take a chance on me? Oh, I sure would, Miss... Miss Susan. Oh, Roger. (laughs) Wherever did you get this wonderful man? He's a regular old love boat. Susan, listen, I just told you there's nothing in the show for you. But you said I was the perfect actress for the part. When did I say that? The other day, on your yacht. Yacht? I haven't even got a yacht. Don't mind him, Mike. He's just a river at heart. Now, why don't you and I run out and have some lunch? Well, say, that'd be fine. Happy, Mike? Happy. These past five weeks, I've been happy as a chipmunk on a chink of pin log. Susan, honey, there's something I just got to tell you. Oh, Mike, darling, I know what you want to say. Well, for cow's sake, then help me say it. If I were going to marry anybody, it'd be you, Mike. But as long as... Hello, Susan. Hiya, Mike. Oh, hello, Roger. You mind if I dance with Susan? Well, uh, we were talking about something, but... Of course, it's... Oh, I'll be, I'll be right back, Mike. Oh, Thank you. Sure, sure. Are you losing your mind? Chasing all over town until all hours of the morning? Who do you think you're fooling? Who, not you? Certainly not me. You're no glamour girl and you know it. Why don't you stop pretending? Maybe I'm not pretending. Maybe I was pretending when I was that simple little country girl. Did you ever think of that? Oh, now, Susan, if you think you're going to make me jealous... Make you jealous? Why, you egotistical, let go of me. No, 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 cut it out now, let's dance. (sighs) Poor Mike. Did it ever occur to you that I might be in love with poor Mike? Yep, and when it did, I stayed up half the night laughing. (laughs) It might interest you to know that he was proposing to me just now. Well, but you wouldn't marry him, and you know it. Oh, I wouldn't. Because you're still in love with me. Well... That doesn't... No, no, Susan, where are you going? Susan! 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 Who let you in my apartment? Your maid. Well, tell Nancy to let you out again. She can't. Nancy's gone to market. I want to talk to you. Sorry, I'm dressing. At 12 noon? Susan, look, I've been up all night thinking about us. I can't hear you. I said I've been up all night. Well, go to bed. Susan, maybe we've made a big mistake. What? I I say we made a big... Wait till I answer that door. Hold your horses. I'm coming. Oh, hi, Roger. Hello, Mike. Hey, what's the idea of that bag? I'm catching the four o'clock train from Montana. Oh, going home, huh? Well, I suppose it's all for the best. But I'm coming back next week. 
What? Sure, I'm selling out my business, and then we're going to be married. Didn't Susan tell you? Good morning, Mike, darling. Oh, Susie, honey. Oh, Mike. You break my ribs. (laughs) Now then, Roger, uh, what were you screaming at me through that door? Uh, Who made a mistake? No, no, nothing. I, I guess I did. Mike, why don't you run to the kitchen and whip up some of those special scrambled eggs? I'm starved. Well, say, that's a good idea. Boy, that's one thing I can't cook, scrambled eggs. Look at him. He's not even walking. He's floating. Well, I'm glad he's so happy. But he's not happy. He's hypnotized. Adapt yourself, he said. Adapt yourself. Yes, but you didn't adapt yourself. You just went to the other extreme. You took a shrinking little violet and you painted her and perfumed her until there's nothing left but a complete phony. The violet's gone. Withered. (laughs) I guess you're right. What? I'm a fool. You hate me, don't you? Well, don't, don't, don't get yourself all worked but up. But you do, you do. Everybody hates me. Maybe I am dishonest, but I did it only to hold Mike and not lose him the way I lost you. Oh, no. <laughs> Susan, no, please. I, I didn't mean to hurt you. Oh, come here now. Put your head here on my shoulders. Oh. I just... Oh, well, oh. Mike. Gee, I've got the eggs done already. I couldn't find the butter. Oh, it's in the icebox. Look, I guess I'd better be going. So long, everybody. Well, he seems in an awful big hurry, don't he? You know, I'm getting so I don't like him. Always hanging around and... Have you been crying, honey? Oh, no. No, it's nothing. Is it something he's done? No, no, he... He only said that... Uh... Well, what? That um, his brother just passed away. I, I felt so sorry for him. That's why I'm crying. Oh. Gosh. Come to the end of the trail, huh? (laughs) Well, that's life. Death. Yeah. Where'd you say the butter is? In the icebox. Oh, Mike, look, I feel awful. I think I'll go lie down for a while. Okay, honey. You just lie down now, and I'll take me a walk around the block. Is that you? Are you back? Mm-mm. Delivery boy, ma'am. Oh. From the jewelry store. Oh, a jewelry store, Nancy? This. It's for you. Well, open it up. Didn't say who sent it. Oh, Nancy. It's a clip. But no card. Well, that's funny. They're violets, huh? Gold and diamond violets. Violets. He sent it. Mr. Burton sent it. But if there isn't any card... No, I'm... no, no, no. If they're violets, he sent it. Maybe they're Johnny Jump-Ups. Don't be silly. They're violets and it all ties up. Oh? So he thinks he can melt me with a present. Call another messenger and have it delivered right away to Mr. Burton. Yes, ma'am. That'll teach him all right. Susan? Susan, I'm back. Huh. Well, how do you feel, honey? Oh, my darling. Oh, much better now. Good. Well, I've been for a walk. And guess where I went? Jewelry store. Mike. I uh, told him to send over a little thingamajig. I thought you might like it. A thingamajig? Yeah, sort of a pin. Fella said it was forget-me-not. Oh, forget-me-not. You ought to be here any minute. Well, honey, oh. what's the matter? You act like you're going to faint. Oh, I feel as if I'm going to faint. Well, maybe you're just hungry. That's it. I'm hungry. Well, I'll take care of that right away. Some nice scrambled eggs. Nancy! Yes, ma'am? Come here. It was awful. They were forget-me-not. I don't believe as I follow you. The, the, the clip. Mr. Ward sent it. Mr. Ward? Not as... 
to know a thing about it until I can get it back from, from Mr. Burton. Yes, ma'am, but but isn't Mr. Ward here? No, no, he's scrambling eggs. Again? No, no, not again. Just scrambling eggs. Go in there and keep him busy till I get back. Goodbye. Well, Susan. <laughs> Come in. Roger, I'm afraid we're in a little trouble. Yes, if it has anything to do with this clip you just sent uh, May over. I have it, Roger, please? Why, sure. Thank you. What are you going to do now? Send it back to the jewelers. If you let me use your phone. It's the messenger boy, Susan. Oh, oh, that's fine. Oh, boy? Yes, ma'am? Uh, Mr. Burton would like you to take this to Giddens, Fifth Avenue. You better take a cab. Roger, can I have some money, please? Mm. Gee, this is fun, isn't it? Thanks. Here you are, and you may keep the chain. Thank you, lady. All right, now what? I'm going back to my apartment, of course, and receive a very lovely gift from a very thoughtful man. Look, would you mind telling me first what this rigmarole is all about? Mike's there. I want to receive it in his presence. But suppose Mike isn't there. Oh, he'll be there. The old dear was scrambling eggs when I left. He was scrambling eggs when I left. <laughs> what is it, a career? Who is it? It's me, Mike. The eggs are done. Finds out I'm here. Not until I've killed you. Get rid of him, quick. Where are you going? I'll just run inside here until he's gone. Oh, no. Yeah, coming, coming, Mike. Hello, Roger. Well, I know all about it. You do? Yeah, it's pretty tough, partner. What? Death. Death. <laughs> How old was he? Well, I, I, I... Yeah, I'm the same way. I have a tough time remembering how old my brothers are. Probably just in the prime of life, huh? Oh, yes, yes. The prime of life. Only brother? Oh, yes, yes, yes. Poor old Albert. <laughs> you know, I, I can remember like it was only yesterday the time... Mike, what are you looking at? It's a nice mirror on your wall, Roger. Oh, yes, yes. I'm glad... Whoa. That's uh, Susan's reflection in that mirror, ain't it? Well, look. Well, I'll tell you, Mike, I'd just as soon not. Well, then look at me. Yes, Mike. No! <laughs> oh. Mm. Hallway floor to bedroom, all is clear. You can come out. Roger! Roger! When the 84th Engineering Corps was stationed south of Seoul in Korea, a young North Korean was employed in the kitchen. He was most appreciative of the work, cleaning vegetables, washing dishes, scrubbing the floor for which he was paid about $15 a month. One morning, when he reported for work, he brought the news that a new baby had arrived during the night. Happy and proud as he was over the event, he confided in embarrassment that he and his wife had not been able to provide clothing for the child because there was nothing to buy in the stricken city. The young mess sergeant under whom he served wrote to his wife about all this, and she promptly bought an entire layette and sent it to her husband to give to the Korean parents. The Korean father, when handed the package, couldn't control his emotion and wept tears of joy that 
from so far away, such wonderful gifts should come to his small son. Such acts as these by you and your friends today are shaping our world of tomorrow. We pause now for station identification. Now the curtain rises on Act Three of The Affairs of Susan, starring Ann Baxter as Susan. Well, Aiken, shortly after that childish episode in Burton's apartment, Susan entered my life. It was about the time my new book had been published, Man Has a Mission. But of course you've read it. No, no, I don't think I have. Can't you read? <laughs> well, I'm sorry, don't but I... Don't apologize. I, uh... Anyway, I was in a bookstore when I heard Susan inquire about a book on marriage. I felt it was my duty to take her aside. That's how you feel, is it? Yes, I'm not against the institution of marriage, but... But you, uh... just, uh, you just don't believe in it. Well, I don't know. As I said, so often the wrong people marry, and so rarely the right people. Are you married? No. But suppose, for instance, I found in you exactly the right person for me to love. Yeah. And you felt the same. Mm -hmm. We'd fall in love. Beautiful. But what do we do to retain that love? Well, and in the first place... Nothing. That is the trouble. The exquisite beauty of the courtship vanishes completely. Say, what's your name, anyway? William Anthony. Oh, I thought you sounded like something I'd read. Did you like my book? Well, yes, I think I did. Thank you, Miss Darrell. Oh, you know who I am. I saw you in Joan of Arc. Did you like it? I thought it stank. Are you uh, always so truthful? I am seldom truthful, but I am always honest. Uh, there's a difference? Well, of course. Truth can be destructive, but honesty is always kind. Truth can be cruel, but honesty is the... <laughs> Oh, Mr. Ward. Hello, Nancy. Come in. My goodness, it's been a long time. Uh, Miss Darrell sent word she wanted to see me. How is she, anyhow? Oh, I really can't say. Well, she's not sick. Well, she's sure been acting funny. She's a changed woman. Michael? Oh, hi, Susan. So glad to see you again, Michael. Well, Susan, what's the matter with you? Is something the matter with me? <laughs> Gosh, I'm dumb. But seeing you in that suit, those woolen stockings, and your hair plastered back and eyeglasses, I forgot you must be rehearsing for a play. <laughs> I am not rehearsing for a play, Michael. Oh, uh, here. I brought you some flowers. That's sweet, but you shouldn't have done it. Oh, wasn't anything. I didn't mean it that way. Flowers should never be picked. I didn't pick them. I got them at a florist. <laughs> Excuse me. I... Oh, pardon me, sir. I thought this was Miss Darrell's apartment. Susan? Come in, Roger. Well, oh, hello, Mike. 
Hello, Roger. Well, will you get a load of her? What are you made up for, Susan, an anarchist? External appearances have no bearing on internal harmony. Meaning? Meaning that I've changed a great deal since I last saw you two. You certainly have. I used to dress frivolously. Now I realize I was dressing only to attract men. That was truthful, but it wasn't honest. Huh? When a woman dresses to appeal to all men, that's not honest. Oh. Just truthful. But when she dresses to appeal to only one man, that's not truthful, but it's honest. Do you understand? No. You understand, don't you, Mike? Oh, sure, sure. I... Well, who's the man? Uh, what man? The man you're dressing honestly for so you won't be truthful. Oh. Well, he's the reason I've asked you and Mike to come here. His new book would make an excellent play. Brave, courageous, intelligent. And I feel it's only fair to give you two the first opportunity of financing and producing it. Naturally, I will play the lead. Here's the book. Man Has a Mission by William Anthony. Yes. Give me a ring after you've read it, gentlemen. Good day. Here I am, Susan, over here. Hello, William. Here. I ordered a drink for you. Well, what'd they say, Burton and Ward? Well, naturally, they're very interested. Good. Sixteen standard steel twin screw cruisers. What did you say? Sixteen standard steel twin screw cruisers. It's a little test I make when I drink alcohol. I've already had a couple. Uh, yeah, uh, but uh, what about these six, sixteen... Well, as long as I can say it, I know I'm all right. Well, I should think so. I couldn't say it in the first place. You see, alcohol affects me most peculiarly. If I get too much, I lose all restraint. I agree with everybody. Really? Yes. All I can say is, yes, sir, yes, sir, yes, sir. Oh, well, don't people take advantage of you? That is why I'm so cautious. <laughs> Susan, look. Hmm? That couple in the corner, kissing. Oh, poor children. They know of no other form of expressing their simple inclinations. Pathetic. However, there's a possibility that under certain conditions, a kiss might be a catalytic agent of a higher spiritual communion. Hmm. Hmm, I suppose so. But our relationship is on such a high ethereal plane, we can discard such primitive methods. Well, before we do, maybe we should prove it. All right. Give me a kiss. <clears throat> Feel any different? Yes. Yes, I think I do. Me too. My plane's much higher. Uh, <laughs> waiter, a couple of more drinks. Sixteen Stannis went with... Cancel them, waiter. Just the check. Uh, uh, where are we going? Um, how about dinner? My apartment. Your apartment? Oh, now, Susan, you're not afraid, are you? Why should I be afraid? Good. Now, look, you run on home, give me about an hour. Say, you've never tasted my cooking. You should see me with a steak. I brought it on the flat top of the steak. Come My name's Ward. Mike Ward. Oh, how do you do? I see you've got my book with you. Yeah, and I just finished it. Don't believe in marriage, huh? Now, look, Susan's a very nice girl. And she's going to stay that way, partner, even if I have to poke you in the nose. Now, wait, wait a minute. I, I think you've got me all wrong. And look at this room. All set for little Red Riding Hood, huh? Even gardenias by her dinner plate. <laughs> you don't think Susan's coming here, do you? Yes, I do. <laughs> well, that's ridiculous. 
Open the door. There's nobody there. <laughs> Always buzzing the bell. Kids, you know, they, they, they like to ring doorbells. I said open the door. All right. Roger. Oh, hello, Mike. Hello, Anthony. Am I glad to see you. Well, I didn't know you knew each other. Of course I know him. I was expecting him. Wasn't I? Hmm? <laughs> oh, yes, yes. Hey, what's cooking? Steaks. And uh, I, I'm sorry, Mr. Ward, but there isn't enough for you. Come in the kitchen, Roger. I, I want to show them to you. Pardon me for not showing you out, Mr. Ward. I don't quite get this. Oh, you're Mr. Burton, aren't you? Uh-huh. I thought you were. Look, w will you help me get rid of that guy? Afraid he'll make trouble when he finds out Susan's coming here? How'd you know she was coming here? Her maid. Well, look, I can explain everything. You're a sensible man, but that big lug out there, he, he's out for murder. Oh, is that Susan? It must be. Help me, will you? Hey, somebody's at the door. Does this kitchen door lead into the hall? Yes. Okay, you keep your shirt on and stall Buffalo Bill for a while. You want I should answer? I, uh, I beg your pardon, Mr. Ward. Did you say something? I said there's somebody at the door. Nonsense. Now, look, are you going to start that all over again? What over again? The door. Well, if you're hearing things, go open it and see. Well, I will. You see? Nobody. I'll be dogged. I'd have sworn I heard somebody. Oh. I'm sorry I had to gag you, Susan. You may talk now. Will you kindly tell me the meaning of this? I'm trying to avert a tragedy. What? Shh. I can't tell you here in the hall. Walk around the block with me. I'll explain everything. You better have, that's all. You better... So, you see, if you had gone into Anthony's apartment, then Mike would have murdered him. I'd appreciate it very much if you and Mike would get it into your heads that I'm full grown and in my right mind. Look, Susan, anyone who doesn't realize that that Anthony guy is a phony hasn't got any mind. Bill Anthony happens to be one of the most brilliant men in the whole country. He's a stinker. And you think he's in love with you? Well, why shouldn't he be? Has he ever mentioned the word marriage? Well, we just uh, haven't got to it yet. Yes, and you never will. Why, he wouldn't marry you if you no, were... Oh, the... he wouldn't, huh? No, he wouldn't, huh? Ask him. You wouldn't happen to be jealous. Would you, Mr. Burton? Oh, please. Although I realize that's why you're hanging around him, to make me jealous. Is that what you think? Why, you conceited, <laughs> overbearing, arrogant, con con contemptible. You asked for this, Roger. Oh, you little. Man. Oh! Oh! oh. Uh, uh, Su Susie, Susie, I'm please. sorry. I didn't mean to slap you, but. He hit me! Uh, Susan, I said I was sorry. Help! He's Susan. beating me! Susan, Police! I bid you good night, oh! madam. Oh! Police! Oh! Well, Aitken, while all that was going on in the street, I was upstairs with Mike here. In a couple of minutes, the phone rang. It was Susan. I escaped through the kitchen door and met her. I must have had a few cocktails because that's all I remember of the next two hours. When I came to, I was in Susan's car. She was driving somewhere in the country. You feel better now, darling? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Uh, Bill, I want to ask you just one question. Yes, sir. Do you... Do you love me enough to marry me? Yes, sir. You're sure? Yes, sir. Well, he's somewhere down this road, the Justice of the Peace. Yes, sir. You're sure you know what you're doing? Yes, sir. Oh, no. No, I can't. I just can't. Oh, Bill, you poor, trusting idiot. Yes, sir. 
<laughs> you don't want to get married. You just want to get sober. We're turning around, Bill. I'm going to take you home. Well, that is how Susan and I didn't get married. Frankly, I'm sorry she didn't take advantage of me. Mr. Burton, Mr. Ward, Mr. Anthony, thank you very much. I feel that with the aid of this very informative discussion, I shall be able to carry out my program with maximum efficiency. Program? Susan and I are leaving on the midnight plane tonight. Tonight? We'll be married at my mother's home in Pasadena. Pasadena? Well, uh, good night. I'd better be running along now. Yeah, me too. Now, gentlemen, where are you going? Get out of my way. Hold that elevator. Wait, wait. Good evening, Nancy. Will you please tell Miss Darrell I'm here? Uh, I'm sorry, but she isn't in, Mr. Aitken. She isn't in? Where is she? Oh, maybe this is Susan. Hello, Nancy. I want to see Miss Darrell. She isn't in. Who says she's not in? She does, the maid. Where's Susan? She telephoned a little while ago. She'll be here in a minute. Oh. The Oak Leafs. She finally decided to have dinner with him. Now, see here, gentlemen. Miss Darrell and I are engaged to be married. Oh, this place is busier than meat market. Susan. Oh, Susan, Susan honey. darling. Well, what is this? A family reunion? No, no, I'm afraid it was my fault, dear. He invited us to his place. To pump us about you. Well, no, I wanted to find out where they were wrong so that I wouldn't make the same mistakes. Uh, you understand. Oh, Susan, honey, I misjudged you. Before it's too late, won't you give me another try? Why, Mike, you're proposing again. Yeah, and I'm proposing, too. Oh, not you, Bill. Yes, dear, I've discovered that you're worth all my theories. Well, I'm doing all right. You don't know what this means to a woman of my age. Give them their answers quickly, Susan. We have to hurry to the airport. Oh, yes. Well, uh, Mike, darling, no. Oh, I see. And Bill. No, Bill. No? No. But I, I want you to know how flattered I am. Well, isn't there a, a delegate missing? Well, from what he's told us of your battles, you could hardly expect, right? No. No, I guess I couldn't, could I? Dear, I hate to rush you, but our plane... Excuse me, gentlemen. Richard is right. Oh, I'll be in my room, Richard. Well, sure wish you happy to pray, Very kind. What am I going to do? Oh, what am I going to do now? Why didn't he come? Who does he think he... Nancy? Nancy, is that... Uh-uh. What are you doing in my room? Well, I had a hunch the living room was going to be a bit crowded. What do you want? Just to talk to you. About another play, I suppose. Well, yes. I thought, Susan, we could go up to Uncle Jemmy's and rehearse like we did that very first time. Hmm? And we could get married on the way up there. And what makes you think I'd ever marry you again? Because you still love me. What about, uh, about Mike and, and Bill and... And, uh, the stuffed and... shirt, yeah. <laughs> no, just a phase of your development, Susan. Because the trouble with you was you never kissed the mailman. And I, I guess some of it was my fault, too. Oh, I waited a long time to hear you say that, Roger. Oh? Well, then, what do you say? I wouldn't marry you if you... Come in. Susan, you'll have to... What goes on here? Everywhere I go, men crawling out of the woodwork. Richard, 
Oh, Richard, I, I think there's something you ought to know. We couldn't make a go of it. I was afraid of that, but I was hoping you wouldn't find out. <laughs> oh, Mother will be terribly disappointed. So, so goodbye, Richard. Goodbye, Susan. Well, well, that settles that. Now we've got to unpack these bags. Why? Why? Oh, you can't go up to Uncle Jemmy's dressed as though you were going to California. Get those blue jeans and that little checkered shirt that you used to... Hey. Yes, Roger? Oh, the blue jeans and the shirt. You packed them already. Did I? Oh, that's ridiculous. I certainly had no intention of going to the island. Oh, oh what a woman. From now on, my life is going to be miserable. Come here. Oh, oh, it's good to be in your arms again, Roger. Oh. It makes me wonder and wonder. Mm-hmm. Why you ever left me. No, dear. About the mailman. <laughs> Baxter will return. Make a friend and you make an ally. There's a thought for you to keep in mind as many another American has. There are people all over the world who still remember the kindness and consideration shown them by well-thinking Americans. You take the little German town of Waldorf. It has a population of only slightly over 6,000 people, but none of them has ever forgotten the memory of a great American philanthropist who was born in their town, a man named John Jacob Astor just as he never forgot his birthplace. It was Mr. Astor who combined his own name with that of his birthplace from the famous Waldorf Astoria Hotel in New York was christened. Mr. Astor did much for the little German town during his lifetime. And when he died, he bequeathed a considerable amount of money to build the Astor House to care for the old, the feeble, and the helpless of Waldorf. In 1948, on the 100th anniversary of his death, the grateful town erected a 12-foot monument in the town square to honor his memory. And one of the speakers at the ceremony said, Mr. Astor has done more for Germany than any hundred of its inhabitants. By remembering the little German town where he was born, John Jacob Astor, American philanthropist, had made a few more friends for America. He'd shown his fellow Americans that by helping others, you help your country. And now, here's Ann Baxter. Well, uh, since I've been bragging about what a versatile actress you are, Ann, uh, tell us what role you play in your latest picture. Well, that's a part with lots of high contrast in it, Ken. I start out as an amateur pickpocket and wind up as a high diver in a carnival act. In fact, it's called Carnival Story. Oh, yes, that's the RKO picture you just made in Munich, Germany. Yes. And now you're starting out on the road in a dramatic show. Yes. Now, tell me your plans for next week. Well, it's a comedy drama, Anne, about a girl who returns home after ten years to discover that the difference between memory and reality is sometimes amusing and sometimes sad. It's called One Last September. Mm, I should like to hear it. Good night. Good night.
Hollywood Radio Theater is a presentation of the United States Armed Forces Radio Service. Prescription products require completion of an online medication consultation with an independent healthcare provider through the LifeMD platform and are only available if prescribed. Subscription required. Individual results may vary. Additional restrictions apply. Read all warnings before using GLP-1s. Side effects may include a risk of thyroid C-cell tumors. Do not use GLP-1s if you or your family have a history of thyroid cancer. If you've struggled for years to lose weight and have given up hope, did you know you can now access GLP-1 prescription medications at TryLifeMD.com? We're now offering eligible patients online access to GLP-1s, the breakthrough prescription medication that can help you lose body fat and weight. Listen to what people are saying. It's fun to put on jeans that you couldn't get into six months ago. Every morning, I look forward to getting on the scale. For anybody who's struggling with their weight, it's a godsend. And here's the best part. Your insurance may cover 100% of the cost of your medication. So go to TryLifeMD.com to have your eligibility checked right now. Get started today at trylifemd.com. That's T R Y L I F E M D.com. Save big on brunch for mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16 ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% lean ground sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca Cola, Pepsi, or 7 Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today, or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.